You know, I was going to attempt to save my voice, but I don't care anymore. I also threatened the first service that I was just going to keep preaching. And when you showed up for this one, then you could just come on in. And then when they show up for the next one, they could just come in too and let's do it. Sometimes you got to sing a song like you stole it. I'm just so happy. It's like Christmas morning. I'm back at church. Government can't tell me I can't go to church. We back. Dun, 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 dun. We back. We back. Come on, Sean, sing it with me. This is not in, so this is not in. Kanye's in there somewhere. It's Chance the Rapper, whatever. Don't listen to it. We back. We back. I was thinking about what song I should sing. That's one I landed on. Should have, like, gone for the lyrics maybe a little. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. Hey, welcome to our brand new series called God Complex. And a sermon I've called Clay is Okay. Hey, man, if you're made out of clay, it's okay. Just relax. Um, I, I, I got some announcements. Are you ready? This is, this is the types of things that I like to announce is that we have a baptism coming up in like a month. So listen, I want to tell you, if you have never given your life uh, to Christ, um, you just come over to the prayer and care corner after we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to just talk with you, explain what it means. Sometimes if you need to get baptized, you're not sure what it means, or maybe you were baptized, but let's just say some time has, uh, gone, some water has gone under the bridge. That hasn't been good water or the boat isn't good or I don't know what. If you need to come back to Jesus, just come back to Jesus. Can we just do that? Whenever I talk to somebody, I always like, I always approach it like this. Like, have you been baptized? Why not? Like, have you been to my church? Why not? It's the best church in the world. Because the pastor saying this, I'm teeing you up here. You got to hit that thing. Yeah, it's totally the best church in the world. You can lie a little bit. Hey, um, we got a baptism coming up. So if you know somebody in your small group that maybe hasn't been baptized, you got kids that maybe haven't gone public with their faith. Back in the day, it was like, hey, you gave your life to Jesus. Great. We're going to have a baptism tonight. So don't put space in between obedience. There's grace to obey. You're never going to be ready to get baptized. Just like you weren't ready to get saved. Maybe you haven't noticed that it was mostly Jesus doing the heavy lifting there too. You're just like, I give up. Just take it. <laughs> take the wreck. Fix it. Um, and we have first Wednesday, seven o'clock here. And let me just say this about first Wednesday that doesn't get televised. So who's to say what will happen? I don't even know what's going to happen. That's how, that's how great it's going to be. First Wednesday is a time of uh, prayer and, and, uh, worship that's just off the chain and, and a prophetic word and prophetic ministry. So as I started on this, uh, sermon series, thank you, Sean. I want to start with this idea and this line. There is a God. There's one God, and it's not you. I'm going to be talking about God complex. Like, there is one God, and it's not you, and it's not anybody but the one God. And there are many things that set themselves up with a God complex in your life. You would be the number one choice for the devil to set you on the throne of your life. That always ends up poorly. And then there's nobody to blame but you. Um, but there's you, there's other things that the devil wants to set up on the throne of your life. Um, and to, there is one God, but it's not you. So we just need to clear that off and take that off the table. Your wife already knows. Come on, say amen, ladies. Man, if I'm teeing you ladies up, you got to do something. Yeah. There's one God and it's not you. And it's definitely not Rod and it's definitely not Complete over here. 
I tried to get some of the ladies to, he got a new Indian motorcycle and I tried to get some of the ladies on the hosting team to be like, prophesy when he comes into that building, be like, Shandala, the Lord says, give that bike to pastor. And they did, but he wouldn't do it. He was unsubmitted to the word. I'm just so happy to be in church, man. You can't, you can't make me not enjoy myself today. Hey, from the fall of mankind in the garden of Eden until right now. Um, I'm going to explain that. I'm going to do a whole sermon, I think, on the fall of mankind and show really what happened. But from the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden until now, you know, we used to walk with the Lord. Like, God would come down in the evening and we would walk with him in the cool of the evening. We'd take care of his garden for him. We'd work for him. Everything was okay. And then it's like scene missing and it's been a bad sitcom about a train wreck ever since that you just can't stop watching. Uh, the, the state of the human race. But, but from right, right in that moment, the, the path of, of humankind and the kingdoms of the earth, kind of two paths diverged in a wood, and this one went really downhill really quick. And then, but see, God went this way and we went that way, but I sort of think that this series is going to do something in your life that's going to, to I, w- I would say, bring the paths together, but that's not really what we need. We need to get you off of this path and get you back onto this path because it's possible to do. But what if the way that God set the universe up and the way he created everything and the way he created you, what if you're fighting against that constantly? You know, you ever meet somebody who just didn't get how things worked? I'm going to talk today about a child uh, uh, that got on my bus stop that just didn't understand the way that things worked. And sometimes you and I are like that. We're constantly swimming upstream. Did anybody spend a week or 15 months swimming against the current? It wasn't supposed to be that hard, but there's something in us that is... is we got diverted from where God was somewhere. And I think that, um, that we're going to come back together at this time here. Um, see, the serpent in the garden, uh, he was miserable because he had made a huge mistake. He, he was, there's thought that he was heaven's worship leader. You know, and he used to sing praises to God and gather the angels maybe and, and, and worship God. And then one day he's like, that's cool, but instead of worshiping God, maybe I could be worshiped, which if you have a God complex, that's secretly what you want from people in your family. You know, sometimes moms, you want your children to worship you. That gets a little weird because there's two of you. Maybe you haven't noticed one of you is pretty decent and the other one's a straight up psychopath. Come on, moms with small kids. Don't act like we haven't been there. My, my wife said to one time, I can't do this anymore. And I'm like, it's too late to send them back. Like I, (laughs) those are husband moments where the Holy Spirit's like, shut up. I don't know what you want to do. We can't like (laughs) this, this, I see, see the devil back in the day, he decided like, Hey, worshiping God is great, but he decided, you know, rather I'd like to maybe be the creator. Maybe I'd like to be up there and maybe worship, maybe people ought to worship me. And so he actually tricked, he did something to a third of the angels in heaven and got them all kicked out of heaven. And then he came down to the earth and he's talking to Eve in the garden of Eden. Remember the serpent talking to Eve in the garden of Eden. And he's like, this is what he said to her. Why? Cause misery loves company. Anybody here? If you're sick, everybody got to have a bad day. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Yeah. Well, the devil's kind of like that. And the same lie that he fell for is the same lie that he wanted to sell Eve on just so he could have some company. So God gave the earth to Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve gave it over to the devil, and, and, then, and then the devil broke it. And then we look at God, and we're like, what happened? And God's like, well, I gave it to you. What happened? Maybe, maybe you're the one. You know, we give it to the devil. What did you think he was going to do with it? But this is what the devil said to Eve, which is the same lie he fell for. He said, did God really say? He starts questioning God. You ever question God? Did God really say? As soon as you start 
question God, you start swimming upstream. You know, it's difficult now. Did God really say, wait a minute. He's trying to keep you from the knowledge of good and evil. And then he says this, and he says this. Man, you have to, and this is, this is what the translation means. You have to experience evil for yourself, and then you decide. That's what he said. Experience it for yourself, and then, and then you decide. And, and that's when the God complex entered into the human race that the devil already had, the God complex of somebody else sitting on the throne except for the one God. And this is what, whoever decides, you ready? You're right and wrong is your God. Wherever you look to get right and wrong, and that might be you, and that's scary. Whoever decides you're right and wrong, like, hey, if you're like at a crossroads, okay, what's right and what's wrong? Whoever decides that for you, can I, can I take this a little bit deeper now? Whoever decides that, maybe hockey decides that for you. Hey, God wants us to do this, but hockey wants us to do this. I guess we'll... How about this? Uh, government wants us to do, but God says... Can I, can I go a little bit further? This is televised, so they'll just cut this out. How about Alberta Health decides right and wrong now? Wait, wait, wait. Too soon. <laughs> right and wrong? Wait, are we talking about right and wrong or are we talking about sickness? Are we talking about wisdom? Are we talking about right and wrong? Wait, wait. When, when, it's, when it's me, when I got to read the word of God or when I got to come in and listen to the preacher and then I'm going to sit there, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to apply this one or not. I don't know if that's right for me. Well, then you're sitting on the throne and something else is sitting on the throne of your life. That as long as that's there, you're going to be swimming against God. The, the two paths, God is this way and you're this way. You're not going to be in the life that God wants you, in the destiny. Because sometimes you've got to work smarter and not harder. And so you're trying to set yourself up as the throne of the decider of your marriage. That doesn't work. We tried that. I tried that. I might have tried that. What if we could return to the path where God is already? And what if where we are is not where we think that we are? Um, Isaiah 45, the prophet says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? You ever done that? God said something to you in a prayer time and you start arguing with God. God's like, what? What are you doing? They're like, well, I don't know if I agree with that. And God's like, who cares what you agree with? Do you want the blessing? Or not? You know, does a clay pot argue with its maker? Today's sermon is called Clay is Okay. Listen, if you're a clay pot, just be the best one you can be, Chad. Because that's all you got. Hey, but no matter how beautiful a clay pot is, it will never be the potter. No matter how beautiful the creation is. Some people worship the creation. It will never be the creator. You know, I, I love scientists. But they, all the, surrounded by all this beauty that they observe. And then they try to like... Write it all out. And I'm like, that's great. But if I gave you a vacuum sealed bag filled with nothing and said, make me something, like literally make me anything. They can't do it. Why? Because they're not a creator. A creator creates something out of nothing. You're sitting there in a hopeless marriage and you're like, there's nobody who can. And God is like, there's nobody who can do what now? Create a whole new everything. Wait, wait. You think that your wife is so stubborn that God can't. Well, which God? You? Yeah, no, you can't. We get it. You've been trying. It doesn't work. It's just like something out of nothing. No matter how beautiful creation is, it still can't create anything out of nothing. Sometimes moms have babies and then they act like they, they like own them because they... Careful what you wish for. No, no, no. You are given a stewardship of. 
You are all, everything answers back to the creator. You ever get in a, uh, in a power struggle with somebody stronger than you? And then realize early on that you're losing the argument badly because they know a lot more than you do. We do this with God all the time. And then we just start like cheating to get what we want because God doesn't really know, you know, and he doesn't really know. And my, the truth of my emotion. Oh, I hate hearing that. The truth of my emotion. What does that even mean? Yeah, I get that you're angry right now. How's that truth? Well, it's my truth. Yeah, no, like you're angry. I get it. But how is that truth? Sorry, it's too far. You can't make me lose my train of thought. Ever meet an adult that struggled too much that just didn't get how the world works? You know, at work, sometimes people just don't get it. They're like lecturing the manager on the first afternoon that they're there about how their industry works, you know. Well, they should have done this and they should have. And the manager's like, who are you? I don't even know your name yet. Some people are just relationship to relationship. They don't get how they work. They don't get how they have to be. They don't get what to look for. They just, you ever meet an adult that's just struggle with literally everything all the time or with money? They just don't get how money works, you know. They just never been through Dave Ramsey's financial they just don't get how money works. It is, well, adults who don't get how things work and, and always swim upstream are kind of, it began as kids who didn't get it. And no kid really gets it all that much. I think it's a, the job of parents, which is a fearful responsibility to teach your kids how things work, how the world works. Um, the inevitability of fighting against somebody who has, who has more power than you do, you know, but some kids, they just fight it forever. They're just constantly fighting. There was, um, there was a, a girl in my mom's home. Uh, we lived here and our neighbors lived here and they used to come to my dad's church. And they eventually, as time went on, they became elders in the church and stuff. But I remember when their first kid was born and they were two very like easygoing people. You got any, any easygoing parents in the house? Your first kid is going to be the opposite of that. <laughs> but there was two of them, kind of like easygoing, a little on the lazy side, peace loving, you know, not a lot of energy. And this kid had more energy than a hundred of them. And by the time this, this girl was two, she had discovered that she was actually in charge of everything because she thought she was. And uh, I remember this, this, this girl, she turns uh, six, and we went to the same school. And so my brother and I, my brother was in grade seven. This girl was six years old going into grade one. I, he was in grade seven. I was in grade 10. And, and our bus stop was about three blocks away. And the mom asked, hey, can you walk our daughter to the bus stop? And we're like, hey, it's no problem. You know, every day at the same time, we'll pass the house. Well, the first couple of days, she didn't want to go. And you're like, oh, poor thing. She was scared of school. I think in this case, I think that school was scared of, of her. <laughs> like, for reals. She's a strong-willed kid, you know, stubborn and independent. And, and um, any, anybody ever try to push your kid through a door jam when they get their hands and feet locked in there? They spider monkey? Anybody ever... Well, she spider monkeyed that front door the first few days, and she decided she's not, and mom's like, trying, this nice mom's like, trying to like, uh-huh. And I'm thinking, man, that's not my mom. My mom, if, if I spider monkeyed on the front door going to school, my mom would go to the kitchen and get a fork. <laughs> and that's all the time it would take. Just, she'd get a fork and she'd figure it out. She'd get me out that door. All it takes is the right leverage and the right spot. <laughs> and uh, you'll get out of that door jam. But this, this mom, she just, she wasn't really up to it. So this girl, she's, you know, she'd be like, I'm sorry, I guess she doesn't want to go. And I'm like, come on, we got to go. I don't want to be late to the bus, you know. When I was in grade 10, how would I describe myself in grade 10? <laughs> kind of like how I am now, but more so. <laughs> like this is maybe the politically correct version of me. <laughs> and that should worry you. So when I was in grade 10, I was a lot more not politically correct. 
And I remember one day we find, she finally gets her out the door and we're halfway to school. So we're a block and a half, block, uh, block and a half down the, and this girl decides like, she just starts throwing a little fit. It starts, she goes, I'm not going to school. And I'm in this place where I'm like, well, I'm, what do I do? You know, I, I could always make an instant decision. I'm like, what do I do? Like if I, if I go back and now I'm going to be late for the bus and my brother, and then I got to tell my dad that I just, we just got beat by a six year old girl. And we couldn't figure it out. And then dad's going to have to like not go to work and take me to school. I'm like, that's, then I get, my dad would be all disappointed at me and be like, what kind of, you're a cope, be a man, you know, Godfather, like be a man. He wouldn't do that, but he would be disappointed and that would be enough. So I'm like, well, I'm, I don't want to be late to the bus. And I'm like, and there's nothing wrong with you. This is, this is me in counseling sessions, by the way. There's nothing wrong. Like what's the big deal? So. I decided, no, you need to go to school. <laughs> I'm like, if you're, you can go home and do, do this at home, but like, I don't want to have this fight every day on the way to the bus. Like, I don't want to be late. So I grabbed her, her hand, and I'm like, come on now. <laughs> and I, I, I got her to the bus, man. And there was two like tennis shoe skid marks. <laughs> <laughs> you're like trying to pull a dog who doesn't get it. This, this girl didn't get it. Like, hey, I'm stronger than you and you can't stop me from pulling you to the bus stop. You know, I don't know if that was a good decision or a bad decision. Things were different then. <laughs> I pulled her to the bus stop. You know, I remember later she was in, in a, a youth group that Aaron and I used to, used to run. And I asked the same girl who she just never got it. And her parents never taught her quit fighting against the inevitable, quit fighting against the, the, the strength or the power that you don't have. And, uh, and I remember, see, I give her a Bible study to do with some unchurched kids. And, and she opens her mouth and starts, and then she starts complaining about her mom right away. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Can I see you outside? I took her outside. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, yeah, but my mom, she all stressed me out. My mom, I'm like, I don't care. You're supposed to be doing a Bible study for unchurched kids. How are you going to invite them to church when you're talking trash about an elder in the church and your mom? I'm like, it sounds like you have a problem with mom. Why don't you go home? talk about it with your mom, but they don't need to hear about it. So she goes home. Guess who got a call a little while later from the mom? Yeah. She says that she won't let her lead the Bible study. I'm like, well, she was complaining about you. So I sent her home to work it out. Oh, that's why I'm more proactive with information right now. Cause whoever gets there first is believed no matter if the story's that was not the way it was in my house, man. If, if I went home and I'm like, yeah, my teacher said this, my dad would be like, oh, let's get her on the phone. And I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Well, maybe she said it different than I just said it. Like a lot different. Like she didn't say it at all. I just made that up. <laughs> and maybe don't ask any more questions. No, I'm good. No, there was no problem. Was there a problem? I don't feel like there's no, we're good. There's no problem. I'm great at school. They love me at school. <laughs> no, don't talk to the principal. Oh my goodness. No. No, he's great. No, I'm going to drop a gift off to his place later. <laughs> so, no, I love principal, man. We, we get along. We're like buddies. We hang out all the time. And so, and so she comes, she comes back after all this and she's, we're outside again now. And she's, she's like, I'm supposed to apologize. So she starts like apologizing. And in the same sentence, she starts complaining about her mom again. I'm like, what? Like, are you catching this on tape or what? Like, do you not? Do you not know that this is not an apology at all? She starts complaining about her mom. Yeah, well, but my mom was. And I'm like, this is not working for me. So I don't know. Maybe you need to go back home and have another chat with mom. I, 
That's not what an apology is. Remember the five steps of apologies? This was like a negative five steps of apologies. I'm like, so you're going to do the same thing again? Like, why would I let you back in there? That doesn't make any sense in my brain. And so guess who got a call a little later from her mom? This guy. Yeah, she says she won't let her apologize. I'm like, that's because it wasn't one. I'm so confused. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, don't you realize that I'm backing you up? I'm backing you up in your own home with your daughter so that when she comes here, she knows that she can't just be the thing she is at home and she gets the same message. And that's what youth group is about, right? You don't get to go into youth and complain about your mom. No, like, why don't you go and work it out? Why don't you go and, I don't know, do what you got. And so the parents should have been clapping in there or get your kids to youth. But this idea, I'm like, don't you get it? You're fighting against it. And then I realized one day where it came from is that the parents never worked that out of themselves because at an elders meeting one time, my dad said, Hey, the Holy spirit has just shown me that I need to pass the church on to Corey. And, uh, and they didn't like Corey. So that was a problem. And things got super tense in the room right then, because if the Holy spirit tells you to do something, he's not really asking for a forum or a vote or like, hey, let's everybody give us your thoughts. So he just wants something a certain way. He has, God has the nerve, like he thinks that he's God. <laughs> it's difficult if you do too. And, um, and they're like, well, yeah, well, we, we like him as a worship pastor, but he's too sarcastic. <laughs> I'm a, I was shocked. <laughs> like, oh, sarcastic. Takes one to know one. No, that's what I was thinking. I didn't say it. Sarcastic. And then uh, Pastor Erin came back into the room because at these crucial moments of uh, high tension, she's nowhere to be found. She's done this before. And I'm like, I don't know, where were you? She comes back in right at that moment when that happened. And she's like, I looked at your mom and I'm like, who's she, she going to murder somebody? I was, I'm still shocked to this day that my mom didn't go over the table at that guy. And I'm like, good luck living through this one buddy. And Aaron walks in right then. Like, I don't know where you go at those moments, sweetheart. She was getting water. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I'm uh, super thirsty. Let me just duck out of the room for a minute. <laughs> Things are getting tense. Let me go. I love peace. I'm just going over here. This is water. The Lord leads me beside still waters and etc. I'm going to go over here. She come back. She did that in Africa one time. Anyways, that's a whole other story. <laughs> next week. Yeah. Come on back. She was in the next room. She wasn't even there. And I'm like, oh, you missed a good one. That one. And so they never understood, see their paths, they, they used, they were walking with God, but then something got them out of sync and they started going this way and God started going this way because God said something and they were over here about it and they just never understood. And they had never given up that struggle against God who thinks that he's God and who thinks that he knows what should happen next. And, um, and as long as you're, you're fighting, they, the way that God was, wasn't the way that they were anymore. And, and I feel like that maybe described your last 15 months is that it shouldn't have been as hard as it was for some of us, but it was really hard. Why? Because the way that God went and the way that we went, weren't the same way, but the sermons, we're going to get back to his path. Now we always think of ourselves as the one who's dragging the kid down to the bus, right? We think like, yeah, well, I'm trying to get my husband. I'm trying to get my, you know, what if you're the kid? 
And what if God in the last 15 months has been dragging you around and you've been leaving little tennis shoe skid marks everywhere that you've gone because you haven't really gone in the way and you just keep fighting against what he's trying to do. Now, now much of our frustration in, in, in the last 15 months has come from a, a sense of loss of control and powerlessness. Come on, can I hear an amen, Venue Church? Like we didn't know like, oh, in five minutes, all of this could go away. And uh, it's just been a sense of frustration and powerlessness. But then we take the frustration and powerlessness when we see how power is being leveraged by those around us. We take that and it's hard for us to get a grip on what God is like because God is always good. And whenever he demands something of you, it's something for you, not something to take something from you. It's always for you. And a good father can demand something from his child because they want something for them. But we take this because it's like this last minute announcements and this powerlessness and like, hey, you don't have any decision. You don't get to decide and you don't. And we take this into God. But see, when we come to God, you have to understand that God is different than that because his character makes him completely predictable. He's completely he just he's not arbitrarily kind and cruel. Like, wow, he wakes up one day and he's in a mood and then this gets announced and then this. And he's not that way. And, and it says that, that he's omniscient, which means he knows everything, which is very different than anybody that you know, because you don't know everything when you're making a decision. You're making it on like this a little pie-shaped piece of information that could be totally wrong. And the people around us are doing the best they can, but they still don't know because they only see a tiny picture of it. And then, and God is, uh, God is everywhere at the same time and nobody else is. And they're making decisions like they are, but they're not, but God actually is. And God's plan is so much higher than ours that sometimes he demands something of us that's like a cog in the wheel that will work out best for you and everything else at the same time to make something beautiful. But you're like a piece of shattered, uh, 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 shattered tile in a mosaic. You just got to be okay with being the piece of shattered. You got to be okay with being the clay pot sometimes. And then God says, God is omnipotent, which means God is all powerful, which makes him very scary to us because he's, he's actually powerful enough to maintain his own character in every circumstance and situation, which means that, that when circumstances get hard, God never changes. He is predictable. Now, now, this is where we get out of sync. This is where we get scared because we see his works through a keyhole. And you see the tiniest bit of what he does or what he wants from you. You see it through a keyhole and that is what makes it unpredictable because you don't know everything. And God is unfathomable. He's deeper than your, anything you'll ever know. His plans are greater. His love is deeper. Like you just don't know anything. You could live to be a million and you would only understand a small fraction of his love for you. And you look through that and that's what makes him appear arbitrary. And we distrust anything that we don't understand, which we never will understand God. And we distrust anything that we don't have control over and you never will. And you have to work through this like, but I can trust. Yes, because he is good. Because he is always good. He can never not be good. See, leadership, we've, we've learned that Pharaoh gets behind a nation and drives it with a whip. But that's not how God leads. You want to know how God leads? Hey, um, I'm going to send Moses. He's a bit of a wreck, but uh, so are you. So that should work out. I'm going to send Moses down here. God, we want somebody perfect. And God's like, for you? Or for somebody who's perfect too? Because... I wish my husband was perfect. And God's like, for you though? <laughs> but you're like a six. And maybe he should be a six, like imperfect. Can we say that? Yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe it's working out, you know? And it's like, I felt like I went too far there. So you're going to forgive me. Just take that and put the word husband and wife and just swap that over there. And then you'll feel better. 
And God sends Moses and God's like, hey, if you want to get out of Egypt, follow this guy and he's going to go through the Red Sea. And then he says, or don't. That's the difference. Or don't, if you don't want to. I gave you a choice. Don't. If you don't want to, go, if you don't want to get out of Egypt, then don't go through the Red Sea. Don't follow Moses. Don't. But see, Pharaoh gets behind with a lash and tells you. But God doesn't do that. God's like, go, if you, Jason, if you want to, go. Here's where the blessing is. If you don't want to, then don't. Totally up to you. I will be over on this path. And if you want to, then come over on this path. Totally up to you. Um, see, Job, has anybody understand Job? In the, have you ever read the book of Job in the Bible? It's super alarming, so don't. <laughs> Reverse psychology. See what I did there? I told you not to do something so that you're going to want to do that. The book of Job is a very confusing book. And I remember I was confused because when I was in grade like seven in the Christian school, they made us memorize parts of the book of Job and the elementary kids too in the King James version of the Bible because that was the only one that was like holy or something. And all these kids are memorizing these and thous and wherewithals and, and we're memorizing the book of Job and it's super alarming. Like we're memorizing the spot in the book of Job where some guy, Job's, his life is great. He's got everything. Is it like... He got every blessing that God can give him. And then one of his servants comes in and he's like, I got to tell you, we just got attacked by these bands of raiders and they killed everybody and took all your stuff. And while he's talking, another guy comes in. I remember memorizing this in the King James, so I had no idea what was going on. And then the next guy comes in and he's like, fire fell out of the sky and burned up some more of your property and killed everybody. And I'm the only one who made it out alive. And while he's talking, the next guy comes in and he's like, your kids were all having a party in a house. A great wind came up and blew the house down and killed them all. And in five minutes, Job's life was what your neighbor's life looks like after 15 months. Of like, oh, the illusion of control. I never had control over this anyway. I never had. I could lose it. And, and now Job is like in this questioning like, maybe my decisions and maybe their decisions and maybe I can't and maybe I'm. And he's in this. He's in a whirlwind right now. And his life is an absolute nightmare. Now, his wife is like super supportive. She's like, just curse God and die. <laughs> just curse God so he can kill you and get it over with. That's not supportive. I was just, that was sarcasm again. <laughs> just curse God so he kills you and you just get over it. But Job never cursed God, but his attitude is getting bad. Sometimes when your attitude gets bad because you don't understand God's plan and you just won't do your piece of the, you just won't be a clay pot this beautiful. Sometimes you get a little upset, but then you just, you're basically pushing God to walk into the room and God finally walks into the room in Job chapter 38. Now, do you know how many words have been spoken in 38 chapters before God shows up and has something to say? And like 15 months of COVID and words and words and words and news episodes and f crazy people on Facebook and words, 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 and 38 chapters in and 15 months in God finally speaks. And he's not the God that Job was hoping for because we secretly hope that God coddles us, but God would rather get us on his path so that he can be near you. And this is what he says. You ready? Sometimes you need to walk, you need God to walk in and you just need to give him the toy that you broke or that's broken so that he can fix it and give it back. And so God walks into the room here. The, the Lord answers Job from the whirlwind. I don't think it's a mistake that God answers Job out of the very whirlwind while a wind blew his house down on his children and where he lost everything. And where you lost everything might be the very place that God speaks to you too. Why? Because God can do anything. And sometimes the very place that you lost control will be the place that God gains it. The very place where 
Everything went south so that you'd get that other God off of the throne of your life. God enters. But he says this. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Uh-oh. Your teacher said what? Uh-oh. Hey, we got a call from the principal. Uh-oh. Oh, look. It's time that I leave the house. I need to run very far away. He says, brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. And this is the part of God that we don't like because he still thinks that he's God. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. You don't get to question me. I get to question you. This is why we set up church in that way. This is why the music is always loud at church. Why? Because we don't want you coming in and evaluating it. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't have done that song. And God's like, we're not singing to you. We're trying to get the music loud enough so you don't hear your own voice because it's awful. We just want you to experience and just give up evaluate. Don't evaluate when you come to church. Don't evaluate when the preacher's preaching out the word of God. We can just probably assume you should do it and just go. It takes a lot of time to argue with everything all the time, to think everything. Don't evaluate when you're running a camera. Evaluate that. But then you sit one and serve one so that you sit and get the great blessing of the corporate house of the Lord. Where the Lord comes down and he's like, yeah, he walks into the room like, yeah, I got it. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Uh, who supports its foundation? Verse 6, and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Sometimes you get all uppity with God in your prayer time and you're like, give me this and give me that. And I don't like this other thing that's happening in my life. And God's like, Gabriel was, when the angels were singing and I created the earth and all of that, I don't remember. Was Kim there? I don't know. Was Kim there? I don't feel like she was there. Gabriel, was Kim there? Because she wasn't there. Was she? No, she wasn't there. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how we treat God sometimes. The king of all the... Jesus is not your homeboy. He's the prince of the universe. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I mean, he is above all and through all and in all. <laughs> he goes on to say, verse 21, but of course you know all of these things. He goes on to explain, like, who keeps the stars and who does the... Who tells the sea not to go any further and... But he says, of course, you know all this for you were born before it was created and you are so very experienced. You know what I realized here? The Lord is sarcastic. Woo! Vindication! It's okay for pastors to be sarcastic. Right there, man. I got, I got all the scriptural backup that I need right there. He says, who gives intuition, verse 36, to the heart and instinct to the mind? Even the ways that you do love that are good come from God. He's saying, it doesn't come from you. You didn't create these things. I did. Who's wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the past ground is dry and the soil has hardened into clods? Come on up, worship team. Verse, uh, chapter uh, uh, 46 of the, of the Psalms. So something that I want to just put in front of you today that I think if you take one thing away, if you do one thing, in every sermon, I really just, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to do one thing. There's a scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. God is speaking. Be still and know that God is God. Be still. You gotta, sometimes when you sit on the throne of your life, you do all the talking. But when I go out and pray, I know that I have to get to that place where I'm quiet that I, I'm not talking anymore. I'm listening because the boss gets to talk first and most. And then when I'm talking and he wants to talk, I got to stop and just be like, right. This, if I, if I take this down this road, it's not going to go well for me or my family or my church or 
if, if I just quiet long enough, then I can hear you and, oh, you're over here. Oh, I thought that you were, oh, okay, well, thank you for speaking. I think I should stay quiet a little bit longer. Be still and know that I am God. God is saying 15 months, don't worry about it. He says, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Don't you worry about it at all, little clay pot. You just relax over there. God is still creating. God can create anything out of anything. And he can create anything out of nothing if he wants. Why? Because he's the creator. Being clay is okay. Relax and let God be God. And my father did something. When I was a child, I used to have um, really strong hallucinations, like night terrors, but not for five minutes, sometimes for hours. Coupled with asthma attacks. The one-two punch every two-year-old wants. And I would, I would be experiencing such terror and, you know, and uh, fear and, you know, the screaming and the, for hours sometimes, hours at, at a time at a night, in a night. Time. You know what my dad used to do? To try to snap me out of what the devil was trying to do in my life. My dad would pick me up and walk me into an ice cold shower pick me up and walk himself and his son into that ice cold shower just to try to snap me out of what the devil was trying to do. And the people around us exercising power around us might tend to push us into that. So they tend to push us through pain, but God doesn't. I think you want to, what I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, it took 15 months to get us to the place. Ready? Here's one thing. Take this out of the last 15 months. Are you ready? A good father suffers with his children. He was not aloof. He had to separate himself from the kingdoms of the earth because we thought that they were the same thing, but they were not. But he was with us. And you need to look back in the 15 months and say, God, was, God walked me. He picked me up and he walked me right into that cold shower. He didn't need to, but he did. And he walked me right in there. Something else had taken over our nation. Something else had taken over in your life. And God took 15 months of Maybe a cold shower for you, but God took 15 months to snap us out of that and to get us back into the place where God is God.